Hello and welcome to the May 14th, 2019 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And of course, as always, it is wonderful to be out there with you as well. So somehow, some way, we have made it, at least in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, to the middle of May. And what May means is potentially springtime is on its way or here already, and I will tell you this, in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, it has not been so nice at all, but with the few relatively warm days that have recently um, blessed us here in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, without a shadow of a doubt, that warm weather actually has somewhat of an influence, at least on Mr. Joe's bipolar disorder. And immediately when the warm weather comes, and we've discussed this before, especially in the summer, um, we tend to, those with bipolar disorder, tend to get extremely hypomanic. And I've spoken in the past about some of my experiences, uh, namely going back to when I was younger and, let's say, being on a beach. It did not matter what kind of a mood I was in, if that sun was shining down and it was warm and I was working out and I was well put together and um, obviously flying high from mania, didn't matter what kind of mood I was in, I was going to engage in the temptation of using drugs, of meeting women, and acting as bipolar as some bipolar person could potentially act. And that, honestly, was a symptom of the bipolar disorder. So now, as the springtime approaches and the warmer months approach us, Mr. Joe has recognized that that is probably what has added to the hypomanic mood swing that I've been in for quite some time now. Uh, When we last spoke, Mr. Joe was doing really well, and I have to tell you, I'm doing pretty good now. Um, I will say this, based on the weather patterns of good weather, bad weather, hot and cold, it has certainly affected my mood swings temporarily, and what I mean by that is um, there'll be a few hours during the day, depending on the weather, in, in which... I totally feel down and out, and I have to tell you, I don't even think that is a condition of the bipolar disorder. I think that is just a condition of the circumstances surrounding me and the fact that it's raining out, it's cloudy, and you know anybody could be a little down based on that, especially when you've been dealing with some nice weather. One of the things, though, that has become problematic to Mr. Joe, to say the least, is throughout this hypomanic swing, Obviously, all the common symptoms of bipolar disorder have either invaded Mr. Joe's mind or body, um, and either he's acted on it or reported on it. And we recently spoke about the excessive spending and um, the desire to 
want to get out there and buy, buy, buy. And I have to tell you that that certainly has not necessarily gone away. But at the same token, I continue to keep myself in check. But in terms of problematic symptoms, one of the things that we rarely talk about is, believe it or not, something that Mr. Joe is going through right now. And I guess the best way to describe this are common symptoms that not only should prompt some concern with us in terms of our bipolar disorder, but a lot of times we don't even recognize these things, especially when we're not medicated. You know, listen, bipolar disorder, plain and simple, we all know what it is. It's a mental illness, one in which is very complicated to some extent, and we've discussed time and time again. Bipolar disorder is simply categorized by periods of mania, hypomania, depression, and those are followed by, obviously, the common symptoms of everything that we've talked about in the past, the inability to sleep, taking on too much work or responsibility, talking very quickly, like Mr. Joe has not only done in life, but over the course of his podcasting has recognized that um, I sound like a motor mouth on some of my uh, podcasts that I play back. And, um, you know, having this overwhelming feeling of confidence, again, we've talked about it a million times, but going back to what's problematic to Mr. Joe is one of the symptoms that we sometimes do not recognize is the fact that I don't care. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you last remember, Mr. Joe had reported on the way that his life was going in terms of work and busyness and the overall schedule that I've been uh, forced to partake in, one in which that has affected my family life. Um, And it really, really had me concerned, regardless of the mood that I was in, even though I was hypomanic, it, it, it upset me, and it continues to upset me to some extent up until this morning when I realized that I just don't care. <laughs> and what do I mean, I just don't care? It, it means that, and very, very different from the paranoia that, for the most part, Mr. Joe usually lives with. Uh, as a matter of fact, about um, being about to talk about it now actually makes me a little anxious, but I'll just give you the word paranoia. There's a long time in which Mr. Joe has always felt paranoia, in which he thought he would be fired from his job, Um, and that continues. That paranoia continues, but for some reason I've woke up this morning and I just don't care. And I guess you can call that indifference in bipolar disorder. Simply put, indifference is not giving a you-know-what, okay, not caring at all. And uh, undoubtedly this can be a very useful emotion in situations uh, in which it's necessary to be able to, you know, forge through without getting caught up in what people think, um, because all too much in this world that we live in, we're always worried about what people are saying or thinking about us. So it could be a good symptom. However, there is reason to be concerned. And Mr. Joe woke up this morning, and I'm concerned. Um, so, and what I mean by that is. There is no doubt that you are going to at least suspect that you're dealing with bipolar 
depression when the not caring or the indifference leads to inaction. And what I mean by that is when the indifference or the not caring simply allows things to pile up and you don't do a damn thing about it. Um, you know, your bills aren't being paid. Um, you know, your bathroom's not being clean. Shopping's not getting done. Laundry is piling up. And, you know, it's, it's in depression, it's not even so much that you don't care. It's almost that you can't care. And that's a big problem. And, and because, number one, Mr. Joe is not depressed. I am in that hypomanic swing. And I got to tell you, I just don't care about anything. Love my wife, love my kids, care about my family. But what I mean is I've had this attitude since I woke up. It is what it is. That doesn't mean that I'm going to stop trying, which is the complete opposite of what indifference in bipolar depression would be. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop working hard and allow things to pile up, for example, my work responsibilities, probably because I am hypomanic. And I would never allow that to happen. As a matter of fact, even when I feel that depression coming on, I seem to work through it, and mainly because I'm medicated. But it was concerning to me because I woke up with that attitude of not caring about anything this morning other than myself and my family. And again, doesn't mean that I'm not going to do my job or do my work, but it's like that is, it is what it is mentality. And in comparison to the bipolar depression, what it means to me, because Mr. Joe is hypomanic, well, it means to me that I'm in more of a hypomanic mood swing that I could ever imagine because I just don't think I, I'm not caring because I'm that confident, if that makes any sense. And nothing is concerning to me. Nothing can stop me from doing what I want to do with my job. Nothing can prevent me from succeeding. And the worst part of all is if something does, I have that attitude that I just don't care. Um, so that's, uh, that's a big deal. And what, what do I do to prevent it? Uh, I don't know. I don't really know right now. kind of like this feeling. kind of like the feeling that I don't care. But what it's led me to do is think about some of the other symptoms that we experience with um, bipolar disorder. And again, I'm not talking about the obvious ones, the depression that shows up and um, you know that sadness and lack of pleasure that is associated with the depression. Um, there are other emotions that aren't often associated with depression, but are most certainly really problematic symptoms when they reach extreme levels. Now, mine has not reached an extreme level. And like I just mentioned, I am not depressed. I am hypomanic. So it's not so concerning to me. But when there is a depression component that kicks in. I believe there are certain symptoms that we tend to forget about, um, whether we're medicated or not medicated, and this is more or less directed towards the person with bipolar disorder that is not medicated, who is not seemingly aware of some of the things that they're feeling or going through. And you know, I know I switched from hypomania to depression here, and the reason why I did so is because many of these ideas that I've come up with, I just can't seem to, 
um, associated with anything in terms of hypomania other than that um, indifference part. And even that is not a common trait when it comes to hypomania. But something else I thought about um, is self-criticism. And obviously self-criticism, it could be very healthy to recognize what flaws that you might have, uh, flaws that are getting in the way of your relationships, getting in the way of your work ethics, getting in the way of your family, or really any other important aspects of life, and being able to see how we might be getting in our own way is often that key component to clearing that road ahead for us. Now, when does this become a problem? When should you be concerned? Well, I guess you could say that when your flaws, your self-criticized flaws, seem to be so magnified or you start finding problems that aren't really there. For in other words, okay, let me give you an example. You're depressed, you wake up, you slept like crazy, but for some reason you got bags under your eyes. Okay, you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, God, you know, I look exhausted today. And there are many times that Mr. Joe has looked in the mirror and said, I look exhausted today. That's self-critical, but it becomes a problem when not only do you say that, but then you turn around and you say, I look tired because I'm ugly. Um, another example. You are counting out your money to go out to uh, purchase something or, you know, um, to buy something. Or you're just putting your finances together. You're balancing something out. Um, Not many of us balance out a checkbook anymore. (laughs) But I don't know, maybe you're balancing out your QuickBooks or something like that. And all of a sudden you find a mistake. Well, I mean, a lot of times when you're depressed, whoop-de-doo, it's a mistake. But it becomes an issue when you then turn around and magnify that mistake by turning around and saying, well, you know, I made a mistake because I'm a moron when it comes to adding and subtracting. And, um, you know, it's almost like you add that additional component onto the already self-critical part that you've engaged in. Um, I forgot to feed my dog before I left for work today. Okay, mistakes happen, but then you follow it up with, I'm a complete loser. I'm completely worthless. And that's not okay. And if you notice, in all these examples that I've tried to give you, you're essentially berating yourself. And it may be depression talking and not realistic self-criticism. And the same may even be true if you find yourself messing around with or battling with undeserved guilt or taking the blame for situations that clearly aren't the fault of anybody, especially yourself. So that is something that I came up with when it comes to the less noticeable symptoms when it comes to bipolar disorder. Things that I definitely have done when I'm depressed, but things that I have not spoken about. Um, One thing I have spoken about is irritability. Now, irritability for Mr. Joe became much more evident as I lived my life without medication. And we all know everybody gets cranky and pissed off. And 
good portion of the times, we usually do get that way because there's a good reason to get that way. And, I mean, listen, life issues and problems are endless. I mean, to me, it's funny, we, I was texting with my buddies this morning, and we all essentially were saying the same thing. All, all, all that life is is just money problems, bad news, and I feel like nothing is ever happening. <laughs> Good. And, you know, stress can feel endless, ultimately. Whether it's, you know, I don't know, Mr. Joe wakes up and once again I feel a stomach ache, stomach problem. Uh, I didn't sleep last night because the kids were awake or the dogs were waking me to go to the bathroom. Um, I got to go to a doctor. I got to go to a dentist because of my stupid tooth. Um, I don't know. The, um, you get audited for your taxes. <laughs> These things all stink. And they would definitely make a person irritable. But while irritability can definitely be a sign of bipolar depression and mania, it's time to get concerned when the least littlest, minute thing explodes into a major problem and a major annoyance for no apparent reason. In other words, and let me say this the best way that I can, and Mr. Joe has experienced this primarily through what I can remember is mania, but if I really pinpoint and think back to some of my depression days, there is no doubt that I really was irritable when I was depressed. And um, ultimately, the response that we engage in when we are extremely irritable is ultimately out of proportion to what appears to be the trigger. And I believe I've mentioned that before. And, you know, depression could also be the cause of persistent irritability that lasts for days or weeks at a time. So it's almost like they flip-flop. I guess the point I'm trying to make is Mr. Joe has spoken so much about irritability and uh, falling into that or rising into that mania stage when I'm in a great mood in hypomania and then all of a sudden I'm manic and I become irritable. Well, guess what? Sometimes we miss that irritability component even in the depression part. Um, you know, and if, if, listen, if we feel like stress is taking over our lives, we got to do something about it. Uh, there are there are things that we can do. Mr. Joe has tried to educate you on many occasions. The biggest problem of them all is that even my educational tools sometimes don't work for me. Um, so it all depends where we're at, how motivated we are, how medicated we are, um, and potentially what mood swing we're in. So, you know, these are all common things that, again, we might associate with mania but they oftentimes go on unlooked and unnoticed, and, and they could happen not only with mania, but with bipolar depression. Another one, a big one, and some people just look at it, especially those who are not medicated and are not aware that they have bipolar disorder yet. Very simple word, anger. Anger and bipolar depression, and we know anger is a natural. It's a reasonable response to a variety of situations. It's 
you know, somebody's been mean to you, somebody's been unfair to you, disrespectful, you, you have a right to get angry. I mean, anger to some extent can also be viewed as irritability, so, you know, we just want to keep that in mind. But when do we become concerned? Well, when anger is symptomatic of bipolar depression, a person explodes, and Mr. Joe has done this on several occasions over what might otherwise be just mildly problematic or a mild irritating thing, or it's just nothing at all. It could be harmless. And ultimately, what can happen is we could become very frightening people and very violent people. And the problem is, when we're not medicated, many times we brush this symptom off and just say that it is a component of who we are. Well, he's got a temper. He's an angry man. You know, don't push him to his limits. Never do we hear, oh... He's bipolar because he's angry. Or he's bipolar because he is irritable. Or he's bipolar because he is um, not caring. <laughs> you know, um, we, we normally don't say those things. We normally just, you know, kind of label it as those are components or characteristics of a, of a certain person. And again, especially when we're not medicated, it's very easy to say, well, that person's just an angry person. And one of the other things that I've started to realize that, and this is mainly because I feel like everybody I meet nowadays is walking around either knowing someone or saying themselves that they are worried and anxious. And that pair of emotions obviously shows up in a number of ways. Um, with anger, there are a million scenarios in which Mr. Joe could think about when it's natural to worry or feel anxious, obviously. But under normal circumstances, those emotions, they disappear once the cause for concern is resolved. But when worry becomes out of control, it could honestly mean that bipolar depression is the underlying cause. And Mr. Joe has done this many, many times where I worry obsessively about um, really everyday issues. Do I have my lunch? Um, do I have enough gas? Am I going to get home on time? Is, um, <laughs> did I put gas in my car? Uh, did, 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 I, did I forget to look at my calendar to see what I have planned today? It's unbelievable, but, you know, those are some of the things that we sometimes worry about, just everyday stuff, which would normally just be like, okay, did I do it or did I not do it? And then all of a sudden, those everyday issues are met with extreme anxiety. So what I'm essentially trying to say is so many people look at worry and look at anxiety as just components of themselves. Again, somebody may turn around and say, ah, he's a worry ward. He worries about everything. Um, ah, that person is always anxious. But really, is it possible that it could be generalized anxiety? Yeah. Um, but does a person know that they are actually experiencing racing thoughts that are associated with mania or hypomania, which is making them anxious? Or... 
in general, they're just so worried about everything and depressed that they become anxious. And again, it's this world that we live in, which just kind of turns around and labels everybody with anxiety used to be ADHD. Anybody who was active and ran around like a chicken without their head up, he's got ADD or ADHD. And now everybody today is anxious. And it's almost like we've kind of forgotten about the fact that, well, you know what? Anxiety is a component of bipolar depression and mania and a lot of times we overlook it and it's a big problem um i guess if i was to mention any other thing that we would sometimes um forget about in terms of symptoms when it comes to bipolar disorder whether whether we're going through it medicated or not medicated is what i call being pessimistic and we all know that everyone's not going to have that glasses half full attitude all the time. I know for sure Mr. Joe certainly doesn't have it. I mean, more times than not, I'm just a negative person. And sometimes, listen, when the situation warrants it, a pessimistic view of that situation is okay. Okay? It, it just is. It's just a simple truth. It's almost like, okay, I have uh, tickets for, we all know, a wrestling event that's outside. And the weather is calling for rain on the day of my WWE wrestling event. Well, I might be a little bit pessimistic uh, or expecting it to actually rain. And that's not a big deal, okay? That's... That's, to some extent, acceptable because the weatherman said it's going to rain. But when is it a concern? Well, I guess in the case of what we would refer to as depressive pessimism, that negativity is completely exaggerated, out of complete proportion with reality. You know, not only is it going to rain... You know, as, as simple as this, as silly as this may sound, you know, God only knows they're going to have electrical difficulties as well. And I'm probably going to drive all the way to this show. And being this show is outside, the weather's going to affect the electric. I'm not going to see it anyway. It's just going to be another bad day. Um, I don't know. How many times have we turned around and said, you know, nobody cares about me. Nobody likes me. There's no point in applying for that particular job because I'm just never going to get it. Um... You know, I'm never going to get that. You know, somebody like me, uh, you know, just never going to get it because I'm not good enough. So, you know, pessimistic. And again, a lot of people just view that as a symptom of just being a regular person. And it can be. But those are some of the things that we oftentimes overlook when it comes to bipolar disorder because we are so hung up on the up and on the down. And that is a major, major problem because, you know, it's not just up and down bipolar disorder. There are so many things that are associated with. Now, um, I hope this made sense to some extent. I think that it did. And I really hope those of you who have been listening to Mr. Joe, who either are not convinced yet that they have bipolar disorder or they're wondering if they do have bipolar disorder or they know they have bipolar disorder, but they refuse to be on medication. Um, a loved one is, is listening to Mr. Joe because they may think that their loved one 
has bipolar disorder and they're not sure how to tell them or somebody's in denial. Um, I, I really hope that we're all thinking about medication to some extent. I really do. And I feel like mainly because I haven't mentioned it in a very long time, but I cannot stress enough the importance of medication and how essentially it saved Mr. Joe's life because what it comes down to is here's why I was able to just produce this podcast because I was able to think rationally I was able to put some of my personal experiences into my mind and come up with some ideas, ideas that, quite honestly, years ago, I would have never even recognized. I would have just went around life with people telling me, you know, you're an angry man. You know, you're, you're so pessimistic. You know, stop criticizing yourself, Mr. Joe. You're such an angry guy. You know, all of these symptoms that they're talking about that are symptomatic of somebody who's just a regular person. But guess what? Something that we could completely be overlooking when it comes to bipolar disorder. And I'm telling you right now, the only reason why I recognize it and I know it, and even while I'm in a hypomanic state of mind, is because I am medicated. You know, the other day I shared with, and I've shared with you guys in the past, I was driving with a few co-workers and we talked about... Um, how a former therapist of mine insisted that I can combat bipolar disorder without any medication just through meditating and positive thoughts and reading the Bible and you know, things of that nature. And I walked out of there skipping and singing and skippity-doo-da-day out of that office and that's it, I'm coming in off everything, I'm, I'm normal, I'm good to go, I could manage this as long as I just control the stress in my life, I'll be fine. We can't control the stress. We don't know how we're going to handle stress, especially when we have bipolar disorder. And if we don't have bipolar disorder, most of us handle stress better than others. <laughs> you know, Most of us without a mental illness are able to handle stress much better than those who do have a mental illness. But, man, when I wasn't medicated, I did not recognize a damn thing of what I am speaking about now. I honestly thought that everything I was doing, engaging in, saying, and acting out, I, I thought it was all normal. I thought it was all normal. It didn't matter what anybody told me. They were the crazy ones, and I was the normal one. And now, being on medication, it's clear as day that Mr. Joe was a 100% certified wackadoo for many, many years. I'm still a wackadoo, but I'm a functioning wackadoo. I'm a functioning wackadoo who still has the energy, the motivation, and the desire to get onto a recording device with a pair of headphones, no matter what mood I might be in. And let me tell you guys something. There are days when it takes every amount of energy that I have to take my finger and hit the record button. It really does. It really does. But no matter what, once I am, for the most part, other than a few other occasions, and I think we talked about it a couple of months back when I was really dealing with some severe depression, uh, where I actually tried on several occasions to produce a podcast and I just couldn't get through it couldn't get through it. That was, you know, a few days where I dealt with that over the course of a year and a half. And um, I got to tell you, other than that particular time, 
even though there have been days where I felt like I couldn't do it, I just moved forward. Now listen, I'm going to say this. Please understand that Mr. Joe is not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination. Just because I'm medicated doesn't mean that I don't wake up in the morning and I say to myself, I can't do this today. I can't work. I can't face somebody. I just want to stay home. I want to call in sick. Um, you know, I legitimately need a mental health day. Believe me, it still happens. It still happens. I don't report on it all the time. Number one, because we're not speaking every day or every other day because of my schedule. Um, but, you know, simply put, just because Mr. Joe is Medicaid doesn't mean a damn thing. I'm still a mess, everybody. <laughs> I'm a productive mess, but I am still a mess. And um, one other bit of information. I thought this would be an interesting thing for those of you who follow Mr. Joe. And I'm totally going off topic right now. But I thought everybody might find this a little bit interesting. Um, and, and for me, it certainly didn't make me feel good or better about this particular person. But it actually made me feel a little bit better about myself because I was in that mode of, I guess you could say, self-criticism um, in terms of, well, I'm worthless, I'm useless, um, you know, I can't hold down a job. We've talked about my termination many, many times, or whatever you want to call it, resignation. And um, I found out just the other day that somebody who is just as influential as me, um, if anything, in terms of their ability to perform, were just as good as me, uh, somebody I'm very close with, somebody that um, I loved, or I do love still, love with all my heart, um, and I don't mention names anymore from, I don't even make up names from my old job because it's just not fair to do, but... Uh, that particular person no longer works at my old job. They were terminated as well. And it's something, if you were to ask me and gave me a multiple choice of people that I thought would ever be you know, terminated from that particular place, this is by far the last person that I would ever in my lifetime think. And again, that's because her performance and her ability to do her job is unmatched. Unmatched. There is nobody that I know that could do her job better than her. As a matter of fact, her being younger than me, and I'm supposed to be the mature one, and you know, I, I do know in my heart that I taught her many things as well. My God, I learned so much from this particular woman, I can't begin to tell you. She essentially made me who I am today in terms of my ability to manage and supervise. With that being said, she's no longer at my former place of employment, and honestly, based on the reasons that I was told, it's absolutely absurd ridiculous and here's why i say it makes mr joe feel a little bit better about myself um since this termination happened recently and you go back to my termination you know we're talking about god almost a year now um it, it's it's literally been one week after another where i hear somebody else is being fired from this place it's a horrible place to work. And, you know, I, I know the cliche, things happen for a reason. I know that's a little overdone, but I got to tell you, at the time, obviously, I had no idea how important it was for me to get out of that place and why what happened to me happened to me for a reason. But I'm just happy that I was able to kickstart my life all over again and don't have to do so now because clearly something 
terribly wrong is going on at that particular company. I don't know what it is. I wouldn't be surprised if they're cleaning house. It's very scary to me because right now my wife is still working with them. And she's an independent contractor with them. That's how she makes her money. That's how she provides income or that second income for our family because she is not teaching right now. That's the only opportunity that she really has because it fits into her schedule. She can't go out and find another job. She can't for multiple reasons that I'm not going to get into. But, you know, I'm just hoping to God that, you know, she's not on the list also. (laughs) Because if she is, I will tell you guys right now that, If anything, Mr. Joe will probably just, I'll podcast for the rest of my life without hitting the pause button because the truth be told, we'll be so bankrupt and and penniless that I could just sit on a podcast all day. I might as well just quit my job too because um, if she loses hers, we're not going to be able to feed our children. I mean, that's how bad it's going to be. So I'm trying not to be overly concerned, um, not to be, you know, too pessimistic (laughs) about what might happen, not to worry so much, not to be anxious, not to let stress take over and take control, not to be irritable about it. And let me tell you, by the way, when the termination happened, I went off on my wife, unfairly, but I went off because all those things, all those symptoms that I just spoke about that oftentimes would be a normal reaction for somebody who's dealing with my particular situation, fearful that because I was terminated, a close friend of mine was terminated, and now my wife works for the same company, it's normal for me to feel all those things, I would think. But it's when you take it to that next level that uh, we oftentimes lose sight of our bipolar disorder and um, things aren't necessarily just what they seem to be. They are underlying problems. And uh, again, as we know, bipolar disorder is extremely complex. And unfortunately, all these things that we've talked about just make it even that much more complex of a mental illness. Now, if you are one of those unmedicated, unsure bipolar people, um, or you are a person that is listening to Mr. Joe because you love somebody who you think might have bipolar disorder, This is a very important episode for everybody to listen to. It really is because some of these things can last a very long time and can become extremely frightening, can be compounded with an extreme amount of violence. And the only thing that I could say, and I guess I'll end this way, is you need to get some help as soon as possible. As soon as possible. Okay? Let's let's get on the same page here. And if these things last longer than they should, and you'll know it, you will certainly know it. You have to assume that bipolar disorder might be a potential reason as to why you are feeling the way that you are feeling, and you need to get help ASAP. If you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness or a drug addiction for that matter, I ask that you continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, you're not doing well, I ask you to keep battling, keep fighting, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. 
talk to you guys again real soon. Everybody have a great day and be well.